0: I got involved with some people that had show dogs, and that's a whole other industry that you just never even know existed. They have stories. Some of these dogs have planes that fly them from one show to another, and one dog comes off the plane. One dog. So a chartered plane. A chartered plane. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler.
1: Hi, guys, Amy here. In the last episode, and that would have been episode 26, Janet Kirkman was our guest, and she talked to us about all kinds of things having to do with her life story writing business. So everything from writing regular life stories to working on projects for people who want to self-publish and who then went on to self-publish. They wanted to get their book out in the wider world. She's taught memoir writing classes using the guided autobiography method. And she talked a little bit about creating legacy letters, something that she learned to do with Barry Baines. Well, we had so much good information that I decided to split the interview up into two. And today, what we're going to hear Janet talk about are a few niche markets that she's had some success in. One of those is writing pet stories. And it sounds um, a little funny, but think about all of the pet owners that you know, and you may be one yourself. And being able to tell the life story of a pet is just another way of telling a personal story or maybe even the story of a family. She's going to talk a little bit more in depth about about that, And then a sub niche within that is doing the life stories for show dogs. And that's when it gets a little bit crazy and interesting. She also talks to us about doing the history of cherished possessions. So in one particular case, she wrote the story of an armoire that survived the Nazi regime and is now in somebody's living room and all of the history that was behind it which illustrated the family's history. I hope you enjoy this and Just a reminder, we didn't have the best recording um, conditions, so the recording isn't quite as clean and crisp as I would have wanted, but she had so much good information to share that I thought I was going to risk it and try to clean it up, and hopefully it will be a pleasure for you to listen to. You also have a niche that you have been working in, which is writing stories about people's pets. And tell everybody what it is.
0: Okay, it's uh, Pet Stories. And I had a website at one time called Spot On Stories with this little dog named Spot, with spots all over him. Anyway, um, our uh, dog trainer uh, was this really hurly-burly guy. He was just really, really cool. And I told him what I did and what I would like to do. And he thought it was just really, really neat. And so um, I got involved with some people that had show dogs, and that's a whole other industry that you just never even know existed. People with show dogs are a whole different animal, so to speak. <laughs> a different breed all the Yes, other. a different breed. There you go. Um, and so um, they have stories. One of my favorite projects was this... Uh, Gentleman who had actually quit his job to go around the country and show their dog,
1: and wife. he was the dog owner, not the dog trainer.
0: Well, or yeah, he was both. the dog trainer. They they hire, I mean, owner. They hire a, a trainer. So that's a whole other. And then his wife would fly in on the weekends to the dog shows. So that gives you an idea of what that's like. And uh, some of these dogs actually have planes that fly them from one show to another, and one dog comes off the plane, one dog.
1: So a chartered plane for a dog. Uh, A
0: chartered plane, yes, (laughs) yes. But uh, since then, I've uh, done projects for just regular old dogs, if there is such a thing. I mean, it's just amazing what these animals tell us. It's just amazing. What do you mean? Well, one of them was, A friend's dog, and uh, he just taught her so much. She was going through this really difficult time in her life, a divorce, and and this dog was just there for her, you know, the whole time. And it was just an incredible story. I just got so much out of it. And she still talks about it. That was probably five years ago.
1: She still talks about the book project? Oh, yes. Uh
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. And people, you know, see pets as their children, and, uh, you know, they're unlike their own kids, they're perfect children because <laughs> they don't ever grow up, and <laughs> right. they talk back, but not a whole lot. <laughs> What's that
1: quote? I just read this quote, uh, I saw it again recently. Um, I, my goal is to be the person that my dog thinks that I am. Yes,
0: yes, exactly.
1: And it's a, and it's a good, you know, it's a different perspective of looking at life. You know, Uh it's a way of making meaning and expressing that meaning. You know, it's just a slightly different perspective. And like you said, I mean, I'm a dog owner, you're a dog owner, you know, I, it's a crazy strong bond Uh that you have with your dog. Yeah. So how, um, if, how, how does a project like that even start? So the woman that you said of several years ago that you did that, how did, how did you get the ball rolling with that? Because I know how to get the ball rolling with a life story. You know, I know what kinds of questions to ask, but what do you do when, it's,
0: when the focus is on the dog? Well, she had heard me talking about what I do. Just as
1: far as life story
0: writing? Yes, and I told her that I had this idea, and I didn't even know about her dog at the time. And she said, Well, we should do Mr. Story. And so. That's the dog's name? Yes, Mr. And so that's how that came to be. And it's always this, uh, like you say, serendipitous, word of mouth kind of thing that happens.
1: Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Because probably most of us are not, you know, maybe introverted, maybe not terribly extroverted, you know, maybe a little bit more that way, but not terribly so because yes. we like to sit at home and write mm-hmm. but you have to open your mouth and tell people what you do that's right otherwise nobody will have a clue that's <laughs> right? right nobody knows that we exist uh-huh. unless we start talking and then when we do these things fall in our lap mm-hmm. okay so getting back to that like what were your were your questions really uh, you know tell me about the beginning of the dog's life to, or,
0: or were they more about how she related to the dog well all of it and when you think about it Amy you know you have a dog for say 10 to maybe, 15 years if you're lucky. And so what was going on in your life during that 10 years? And that's reflected in the story in a way that it's just hard to describe, actually. You know, right. like this woman who was going through a divorce, and now she's on the other side of that, and she's much more positive, and, you know, all that kind of thing.
1: And it gives you kind of a, um, a way in. It's sort of like an oblique, oblique angle into something that can be really, really difficult, like a divorce. Uh-huh. Or, you know, a death in the family or something. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's, it's such a great idea to do that. It
0: is. It's just really, really neat.
1: And another, um, another thing that I remember you and I talking about, this was quite a while ago, was um, the chance to focus on a cherished possession. So I think you had done something um, on, it might have even been about a whole house, but um, the the thing that sticks in my memory was the um, armoire, I think, you know, that had traveled, you know, it, it had just as adventurous of a background as any person. Can you talk about that and what it would mean? to um look at life it's just it's putting on different lenses again you know looking at life you know through through how you relate to your dog through a possession that means so much and whose history goes back so far can you talk a little bit about that
0: yes that was part of a project that I did with a woman who was born in Germany and uh, shared her war experience and I don't know if it's true for you Amy but I know uh, in the history classes, I could memorize all the dates, and names, and all that jazz, but I never really got it, and this woman was able to put a face on the war for me, and so since then, I've had, I've done several immigrant stories, and uh, that's, that's a real eye-opener talk about a learning experience but anyway um, in her story she talked about this armoire that was in her family and the uh, nazis were trying to take this armoire from her family and her mother i cannot believe her mother did this but she just practically you know put herself in a really bad situation to try to keep that in their family and she was successful and now it's stands in this family room. And that piece has a story. And uh, what we decided is that that story of that armoire will stay with the armoire. Oh,
1: so you have it physically tucked into the armoire someplace? No,
0: we, oh. we, no. but we'll probably put her whole book in there and maybe separate out the armoire uh, story and leave that in there. But yeah, so that everybody will know what that story is and what her ancestors went through for that particular piece. It's just right. phenomenal.
1: And those are exactly the kind of stories that disappear if you do not record them. Oh, that your- is
0: so true. Right.
1: I, My sister, so both of my parents have died within the past year and a couple of months now, and um, aside from grieving that, um, there's all of the stuff that my sister and I now, and my brother-in-law, that we have to dispose of, and um, my sister just sent me a picture. Um, the estate sale lady had come in this week and was starting to price everything out, and she had some tables set up with all kinds of um, china and glassware. and. You know, seeing this picture with these price tags of, you know, a quarter or, you know, $2 for a set of something, it was, it was very sad because it's their whole life, you know, obviously their life does not, you know, does not reside in these possessions, but that w- those were the glasses that we were drinking out of at Thanksgiving. Those were the, you know, the plates that we were eating off of at birthday celebrations. Um, and to see what happens after it's been divorced from the family, um, the, the the family meals. You know, in this case, it's just the family meals. It it's not worth that much. But for the things that are really special, um, we don't actually have to have the items themselves. That's right. Um, we can have the stories that were attached to those items and even photos and I know you know some people have you know they'll they'll do life story projects that are nothing but photos with really long detailed captions so it's more you know each chapter maybe or section is about a certain thing or a collection of things and then the storyteller tells the stories about those things and like you said you you attach those to certain periods of your life
0: yes Another idea for people are, uh, is sharing the recipes that are handed down. Uh, you mentioned Thanksgiving, that kind of triggered that, that memory. I've taught classes in, um, in, on that topic as well. And um, that's really interesting. Whether or not you're a cook, uh, you remember probably your favorite foods that your grandmother made or whatever, and to hand those down with the stories that go along with them—not just the recipe itself, but you know—I think of my grandmother's green apple pie. Oh, you know that she made for me. That was my special thing, and uh, that—and so when people sit around sharing that, uh, questions like when you go to a friend's house for like a potluck kind of dinner. What do people always want you to bring? Oh, good question. Yeah, so what's your signature dish? You know, what are you noted for? Well, chances are that's something that you serve your own family, that your own family really likes, that they request that you make over and over. So it's kind of like it ends up being like comfort food, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And so um, these days when everything is just so instantaneous, you know, I can think back to helping my grandmother, uh, cut the the dough for pasta on this Formica table that she had. Great Formica table with chrome legs. I remember it like it was yesterday, you know? Right. And so, you know, I won't be making pasta anytime soon. But that memory... Well,
1: and I think you're hitting on something really important, too. When we're we're going and we're interviewing our our clients or the storytellers, you know, to be able to ask questions, like, that's a brilliant question. You know, maybe... About a parent or an aunt, like what was their signature dish? What did they bring, Mm -hmm. or what did you help any of these relatives cook? Because that's tapping into the senses, you know. And and we all know that that just binds so tightly in our memory, Mm -hmm. you know. When you can when you can feel it, and you can taste it, and you can smell it in your memory, it it evokes something so strong, and then that can lead to other things, you know. you know, what kind of relationship did you have with your gr- grandmother? You know, did, what kind of relationship did your parents have with your grandmother? So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a smart thing to, a smart way to guide in um, a storyteller is with those kinds of questions.
0: I think so. That sensory awareness is a really powerful kind of thing. You know, if you, in writing classes, if you have someone describe a sky... For example, and if you look at what you're drawn to reading yourself, if you look for certain passages, let's say the sky, for example, you know some of them will just jump out at you. You know, and they go on and on and on about the sky, you know, and so it just makes you hyper aware of some of those kinds of things. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned is smell. Uh, one of my strongest memories is that my grandmother. Hung things out to dry, in the sun.
1: Oh, and That's there's fine. nothing better that no the smell. It, there's nothing better in the world than having um, air dried. You know, out in the backyard, dried oh. like sheets. Yes, and pillowcases. Oh, yep. My mother used to do the same thing. Yes, <laughs> just occasionally, and it was exactly. almost like a treat. Yeah, like, like we know it's going to smell really good. It'll be a little stiff when you put your head down on it, but uh-huh. it's going to smell. It's going to smell wonderful. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So those. uh those comfort memories uh, and sensory things are just so, so fun to remember and just a way to elicit other memories like you mentioned. Right, right.
1: Instead of just asking about the events. Sure. Right. All right. Well, um, I think we're, we're about running out of time here. For people who want to get in touch with you,
0: how do they find you? Uh, the best thing would probably be to send me an email. Okay. okay. And it's Janet Kirkman, sixteen hundred. At gmail.com. Okay.
1: okay. And I will put that link into the show notes. Sure. I think it's very interesting that you have been doing this for how many years? Fifteen,
0: like, 15, I Fifteen years.
1: And a f- several years ago, you came to me asking about maybe having a website. You haven't really actually needed it, have you?
0: No, I haven't. I had. mean, how many
1: industries can you say
0: that about? But, I
1: know. It's it's pretty remarkable.
0: It is. And I got all wrapped up in that website for the pet deal. And then I found that I didn't really need that either. So you let that go. You've since let that well, I go. I let that go. But like I say, it's all been word of mouth and, right. you know. Right.
1: Well, I still do recommend, if somebody's just getting into this, to have a website. Yes. But, but it, it goes to show that you can start with really nothing other than, you know, something to do a word processing on. Yes. And, and to record your voice with.
0: I think so. And I think younger people especially depend on a website. Mm-hmm.
1: You're talking about the clients or to market themselves, the, uh, the professionals?
0: Clients, when they're looking for somebody. So it's a credibility thing. Right. And I agree, that's, it's important <laughs> to have a presence, <laughs> whatever that means. And yet you've had
1: a whole career doing this without one. So, Well. <laughs> Take it for what it's worth. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It was great, Amy. It was a a pleasure talking to you. Well, it's always fun to talk to you. Yes, and I'm sure we'll be getting together for coffee soon. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that does it for our interview with Janet Kirkman. If you'd like a transcript of the interview, head over to thelifestorycoach.com and look for episode 27. And if you want a transcript of the first part of the interview with Janet, look for episode 26. I'll have both of those as downloadable PDFs. You know, I know some people prefer to read rather than listen. Although I guess if you got to this point, you probably have listened. Anyhow, I hope that you've enjoyed this. And I hope it's given you some good ideas that you can take back into your business and help it grow and possibly find some new markets that you can market to and work within. If you like the show, please help other people find us by leaving us a review on iTunes. Until next time, go out and save someone's story.